Welcome to the Weather Insights Podcast. I'm meteorologist Scott Pitney, along with meteorologist Jeff Lindner and meteorologist Jeff Evans, our good friend Jeff Evans down at the uh, National Weather Service. How's it going, guys? You're really our only friend, you know. Well, that's true, but yeah. we don't have to <laughs> give all the dirty details, <laughs> do we? <laughs> What's going on, guys? Um, wow, nothing. Did, just enjoying this uh, mild weather. Yeah, like, this is not nice. This well, is except Houston, for this morning. Houston winter at its finest. Well, this was the week we were all supposed to freeze to death again, remember? Yes, oh, yeah, that's why we don't. Oh, yeah. Week three that's of February. We don't, we don't look at a 360-hour forecast from a single model and put them on Facebook or social media. Well, what about that first Arctic blast? Now, I mean, that there yeah, was had, some, uh, yeah. There was a little bit of accuracy in the long range with that one, right? Yeah, no doubt. That one uh, was identified pretty far out and um, verified pretty well with the the, the forecast. Third, uh, third feel, one in a row. How do you feel, Mr. Deterministic Model Hater? I, I thought the forecast couldn't have been better. <laughs> I, I thought if it was any better, I just don't know what we would have done. Yeah, those are... <laughs> Those are the ones that you can identify and uh, hit out of the ballpark. So. Oh. And boy, did we! And did, did we? we? Get it. But yeah. nobody listened to us. Well, so. that that's that's a whole nother topic. <laughs> and everybody thought if it, it had to be uh, what is it, Yuri or whatever the February twenty twenty one. It had to be February twenty one, and if it's not February, and 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 I just hope if we if we haven't learned anything. Out of the last cold snap, I mean, yes, it was Arctic and all that, but can maybe, maybe finally we can kind of put the power. Oh my God. The power scare every time it gets cold here a little bit to rest. Like I get ERCOT still has some work to do and I get all that, but every time we get down into the teens or whatever here, we're not going to lose the power grid. What's so, too, uh, so this last January <laughs> and then right before prior Christmas, we had a very similar. Uh, blast if you remember there in the you know 22nd 23rd of 2022 um and so much of the conversation was wasted once again on power and you know and honestly like jeff and i we, we can't answer these questions we, we can't you know but we would we would get asked all the time what's the power gonna do is center point on can center point answer you know and and neither of those two events was there any power issue at all um, a matter of fact, I think his last event, there was some, I think there was some demand records set in the state and the, you know, ERCOT was able to meet it um, without, without issue. And I think when you look back at the 21 event, it was a little bit of a perfect storm because we had such a mild winter up to that point and they had plants that were offline. And so there was a lot on the production side that um, failed. It wasn't necessarily the grid or those things that failed and uh ERCOT's apparently addressed that and we've we've had enough heat for everybody i guess in the last couple of events yeah. i mean i don't want to make it too rosy no because i'm a you know pessimist but well, it um, makes the show interesting too <laughs> so i just i the... just think if you look at 21 there was several factors the yes. extreme cold the production, the coal and natural gas plants being offline for for and the uh, duration of that cold, the duration, and you had ice across most of the state, which cut right. your and clouds, which cut down your renewable. And unless you get that perfect set up again, which could happen, I mean, it can happen. 
Uh, it's not going to happen this month. People, no, it's not going to happen this month. It ain't going to happen this winter. This year, but this center, we're done. Yeah, but if if but we can get that set up again, and we could potentially be, you know, but not every time it gets cold here is it going to be a power issue. If it is just cold and sunny and the wind's blowing, which is eighty five percent of the time, we're going to be fine. Right. Good to know. Right. Yeah. But they still expect you to know the grid. They want you to know if schools yes. are going to be open or not. Yes. All these non-weather things. Well, yes. and, and let's talk about let's talk about schools for a second because let's talk about. Schools. Thank goodness this event happened on a holiday. This was yes. uh, MLK Day, and so when the when we started getting the frozen freezing precipitation, nobody school was out because it actually started after like what we would have typically as the morning rush hour start about seven, eight o'clock in the morning. Mm -hmm. Yes. And if we would have went to everybody went to work in school, we would have had an absolute nightmare because uh, the roads were way worse in the afternoon. It would have been oh, yeah. snowmageddon oh, for yeah. the it West half been. of Houston it would have been metro area. Yeah. I was out there. I was, I was in Katie and I, you know, got to the office about seven and a little um, shower came through and there was ice on my window and, you know, sleep pellets and all kinds of stuff. And, so we send everybody home. <laughs> like, well, but but that but that's that's the same. I think issue we sort of had is the QPF was underdone in the models. I mean, we were, we were thinking trace to maybe five hundredths, right? And that's right. And we got more than that. We got more close to a tenth, which is yeah. a big difference when you're talking about ice and also temperatures yeah. in the mid twenties. And this right. was that kind of ice, so. I went home and, you know, I get to I-10 and it's the kind of ice you can't see. And I, right. I'm just, I'm behind people just sliding on this stuff. You know, they hit an overpass it's... and there's fishtailing and stuff. And, um, yeah, it was I mean, you good. knew better. What were you doing? Well, I'm a, I'm a meteorologist. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, going back to Jeff's point. Um, no, you, we, we, you, there is a way to drive on this. Jeff and I were texting through the event, and, and we kept saying, like, thank God to schools are closed today. Thank God schools are closed today. Because um, it, it was a holiday. A lot of people were home. And so it, it the the overall impact was mitigated a lot by people that were just planning to be home anyway. Yeah. Um, and people seem to get the message on the cold. I saw a lot of people that were taking preparations. Um, the interesting thing is a lot of the uh, vulnerabilities that burst in the uh, – last couple of events seem to have been taken care of. We didn't seem to have the plumber calls and the water outages and all the, the major impacts. And a lot of that is because I think stuff that, you know, got replaced with better quality stuff in these last couple of events. And, uh, you know, of course the duration was, this one wasn't as long either, but um, I, I think that that, that helped as well. Yeah. I didn't think about that, but yeah, all new um, sprinkler heads and everything from 21. Do you have any issues? I had no issues at all. No, I, and I and I was I was very lazy on this one, to be honest with you. I, I was just slow to do what I needed to do, um, and I, and I don't really think it was anything that I was just I, I'm burned out on it. I'm done with cold. Yeah, so I could have texted you. You probably answered my text. <laughs> well, yeah, you, I, I usually don't bother you during events, but. And oh, it's, no, it, absolutely. Why, why not? Why not be like the other 300 people? <laughs> and it's another another event where um, if you go back to that Saturday, it was the Texans playoff game at home. It was sunny. It was warm. It was beautiful out. People weren't even in the mindset of Arctic. And then 
by the time Sunday rolled around, we started getting the 40s and light rain and uh, people like, I don't want to go out and cover plants in this. <laughs> so, well, yeah. I, well, plus I got here, most we, of mine we got... covered on uh, that Saturday when it was sunny out and dry. Yeah. I mean, it just literally goes from spring to winter here at this time of year. So um, people have their guard down sometimes. Um, yeah. So but, but going, going back to Jefferson about the schools, mm. um, there's aspects of that we found out about school closing and people to understand is that some of the school closing decisions aren't just about slippery roads. So that Tuesday morning, there were decisions being driven by the wind chills in the low teens um, and temp air temperatures in the mid teens. Uh, so it, it, I think those are the right decisions. I, we have a lot of people that don't have a lot of winter gear around here. We have a lot of kids that have to stand at bus stops. Uh, so those were the things people were talking to kids that walk to school. Um, and there was some pushback because uh, Tuesday was clear and dry that they could have had school. Uh, but that's not what necessarily a lot of the decisions were being driven on by, the, uh, you know, during that morning. They had talked about some late starts and everything. And I think they just decided, uh, especially because the part of the northern and western metro districts were still had some ice uh, that Tuesday morning. Don't you know they're just lapping at us up north? Well, no, I don't know because they just went through this last night up in the northeast. They canceled all their schools yesterday and talk about a forecast nightmare Bust. up there. It yeah. just I mean, they canceled school for an inch of snow in some of those places. Like the the mop the the forecast changed dramatically yesterday and there's been a lot of fallout up yeah. there. Um Boston, Boston and north of New York, up inland a little bit, um, because they all made the decision early because it was such a slam dunk lock for two days straight. We're going to get a foot of snow. And then Jeff, now, now let, let's talk about that, because I've I've kind of felt this winter the guidance hasn't been all that great. And I don't know if it's struggling with the El Nino pattern or what, but I just you know, the, the couple of things we've had here, then you see what happened in the Northeast last night, this morning. It's kind of like it just hasn't been great. I think it just highlights because some of these events, um, it doesn't take much difference to really change the impacts significantly. So, um, you know, you look at these Nor'easters and if, if you go back and research them, you know, the, the, the difference between that rain snow line is so finite. Um, and, but it's, it's 10 million people or 2 million people, or, or, you know, it's a huge difference on when that rain snow line sets up and, um, you know, models didn't nail it. Um, you go back to our rain event after that Arctic event where, you know, we were, the, the models were highlighting it out. We were, we were pushing messaging on it, but then going into it, some of the models started pushing it up towards Longview and, and uh, up in the Northeast Texas going into it like a day or two out. And we started thinking, wow, maybe we'll get a break. And then it just kind of started on its own, you know, from Colorado County, right through, you know, the Brenham area and just Northwest of Harris County. And next thing you know, bang, you get eight inches of rain um, just like that. And, you know, there really weren't any, of the models, we have lots of models. We look at none of them really just pegged that little location. We knew the potential was there, but you know, we just don't know where that's going to fall. Um, and you know, six to eight inches normally around here, people kind of shrug off a little bit, yeah. but when you have nothing but dead vegetation, uh, it's, it's all pure runoff. 
that caught a lot of people off guard as well. And they didn't like, where's all this water coming from? We, mm. we didn't get a foot of rain. It's like, well, no, this time of year, you don't need a foot of rain. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. I think that snow line set up, uh, South of Boston, like Hartford and area somewhere around there, <clears throat> but it, it's, it, it, it seems like a different modeling, right? Uh, snow versus rain when you're looking for like what you were describing, Jeff, the, yeah, that I'm just that, glad that, we the don't banding, have the banding effect. We just don't have to do it down here very often because mm -hmm. if and, I had to do, if I had to do that every week uh, and see what, uh, and what people, what we get mocked at as a, as a profession is that, you know, we talk in terms of uncertainty and likelihood and, and that these are the type of events that we have to speak that language with. Um, you can't say it's a slam dunk that New York City is going to get a foot of snow two days out. You have to talk about, well, there, there's some things that could happen either way. You need to plan for that. But if this, this and this happens, then suddenly we get a foot of, uh, I mean, an inch of snow. And that's what happened. Mm -hmm. um, I don't I don't know if I don't know if we as a profession do a very good job of that. It I don't know if anybody does. It's I mean, really, you really would, difficult. You um, need 20 minutes to go through it all and you, you only got about a minute and a half. Well, and people don't process that. They want to know, I, I just want to know do I do I right. am I yeah. gonna get A or B or not? Yeah. And it's like we we can't tell you that for that kind of certainty um and i the, the analogy i use is people who do invest in the stock market you don't go to an investment person and they just guarantee everything this is going to do this and this is going to do that they're always talking about risk and you know what they what, what the probabilities of this could go up or this could go down and then you have to make that decision with your money with a financial planner based on all these uncertainties None of us can go back in time and say, yeah, I should have put everything in an Apple stock in 1992 and I've been fine. Um, that's just not how this works. Meteorology, you know, messaging is fairly similar. Um, we can't say for sure going into that last January rain event that this particular location in this particular county was going to get eight inches of rain and this spot was going to get a quarter inch of rain. Uh, yeah. I, I mean, maybe someday we can, mm -hmm. and I, I would like, I would like to be able to do that. I mean, so would Jeff, and so would you, Scott. We'd all like to be right. We'd like to what, be able to just tell people exactly what's going to happen. But what, what, uh, as a science, we're not there yet. Yeah, and what do you think are the, are the biggest factors missing? I mean, data collection—that's talked about a lot. You know, we're trying to get data from all these different resources, planes, satellites, um, what have you. Um, but then you need computing power too. Right. And a lot of it. Right. And then you need to be able to, what do you do with this? Because, um, you know, you, you could get 15 different models and, and, but it happens, what happens if you get 15 different solutions? You know, how are you going to message that? Um, you know, we, we like to think, uh, and I actually wrote a paper on this on the Super Tuesday outbreak. From it was actually the 16 year anniversary that came up here recently, a big tornado outbreak in the in the mid south. Uh, and I was the day shift lead at SPC, and uh, had to decide to issue a high risk or not. We identified it pretty well in the extended. The, when you just look back at the just the pattern where the jets were lining up, the mid level jet, the low level jet, what the surface low was going to be, the the dew points at the, at the surface all were hitting a tornado outbreak. But as it got closer and closer and all these high res guidance was coming in, a lot of them weren't breaking the cap. 
And so mm. then you start losing confidence and thinking, oh, no, did we hit this too hard? <laughs> um, but I remember at that event, I just stepped back, looked at the the overall pattern again, looked at the surface analysis, looked at the, tw- the 12Z soundings and said, it's going to go, the cap's going to break. And we put a high risk out and it verified. But we have this perception that as you get closer in this forecast funnel, that it always just gets more clarity. And at some point, you you hit a point where you might go the other direction again, where it's clear. It's, there's some clarity, and then it starts going the other direction. Because as it gets nearer and nearer and nearer, you kind of it gets murkier. Um, and mm. it, I don't know the answer solution to that. I and mean, obviously, more observations, um, better modeling, um, you know, all of that could lead to to this being improved at some point um you know artificial intelligence and machine learning which we're just dabbling with um i I think that might be a really important cog that we're just kind of in the elementary stages of yeah but uh i mean who who would have thought that uh, we are today you know 30 years ago uh, what we have today we'd be where we are today with what we have i i think it's for the most part, it's pretty impressive. I mean, you well, know, I mean, like the day seven the forecast is as good as a day three was when like you and I were coming out of high school. Right. Uh, just in our lifetime, our careers, we've seen such a huge improvement in, in forecast accuracy. But that's over the over the mean. You still have these misses like today in the Northeast. Um, yeah. You know, or the uh, the yeah, the F3 tornado that uh, was it last Wednesday in Wisconsin, you know. Um, you know, we, we, we still had struggled with those really high impact rare events, you know, pegging those several days out because we, we, we do worry about the cry wolf syndrome. We do worry about, we can't just say this every event, you should just go run and hide because people stop listening to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's a struggle. <clears throat> I mean, sometimes Jeff and I's our message when we're messaging partners is to, to relax um and 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 sometimes we're trying to motivate action so mm. it, it it's it's yeah it's interesting it's, at times. it's weird it's it's because there's sometimes when jeff and i are like why aren't people doing anything <laughs> like they should be doing stuff because we know how how big weather events there's there's a certain timeline and and, and a certain level of expectation that we're used to seeing from emergency managers and our partners and stuff like that and and sometimes we're like why, why, why aren't they doing anything? What, 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 where's it getting lost? Where, where's the message lost? And other times we're like, what the heck? What, are, why are they doing? Why are they yeah, doing where, something? Where's yeah. this energy coming from? Where's this coming from? <laughs> because, and, and, and I've sort of started asking, I've, I've sort of started asking people like, well, why are y'all doing this? Oh, well, and what I, and what I've heard, the, the kind of sort of common theme I've heard is, well, we just want to make sure that, we're out ahead of it. And nobody has ever told me ever, ever, ever. I was mad because it didn't happen. Now people get mad when they don't think when they, when they, when they don't think it's going to happen and then something happens. So let's just say the 12 inches of rain, eight to 10 inches of rain that fell Northwest of Harris County, that would happen in Harris County. We had homes that flood and that wasn't really forecasted. That would have been a problem. Mm-hmm. And so to some degree, the leaning forward, getting, getting it out there and that kind of stuff um, can be helpful. I think people appreciate that more than being caught off guard, but it's a very fine line. 
And when you're talking about your partners, mm-hmm. you're talking about emergency managers, broadcast mets. Yeah, everybody, everybody that's in the in the public safety sector uh, that that we basically our primary role is supporting those decisions. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, you know Jeff could speak to this more than I could, but you know other big decisions that were made going into that rainfall event were uh, a lot of these reservoirs and lakes releasing water or not, and that's a tough decision. You know, we just came out of a huge drought. Water is a huge resource, and so these you know they don't want to release this precious resource and dump it out in the Gulf. And then this rain event doesn't happen. And now we get into another drought through the spring and they're like, we lost all our water. Uh, these are really, really difficult decisions that some of these folks are having to make. And, and we're trying to support it the best we can. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think when you look at, luckily for us here, everything we have is water supply lakes, right? So Livingston, Conroe, right. Houston is all water supply. There's no flood control capabilities on any of these lakes. Somerville is a flood control, is a Corps of Engineers flood control lake. Uh, and, Attics of course, Attics and Barker are, mm-hmm. are purely flood control uh, mm-hmm. reservoirs. And so what I mean by that is because they're operated differently. And this is where we get into the big boo-hoo-hoo over Conroe all the time. They're operated differently. So water supply lakes and reservoirs are mandated to release water when they start to uh, move into their above their normal pool. Because they have no flood control capability. There's nowhere to store the water. And so at Conroe, their gates, their floodgates are about six inches above the pool of the lake on a normal day, which is 201. Okay. So when the lake starts filling with water, it goes to 201.1, 201.2. You're losing inches on that floodgate. And so you have to start raising the floodgate to keep that buffer because you never want water going over that floodgate. Mm. And so there, there's no choice. They have to mm-hmm. raise those gates to let water out to maintain that six inch uh, or so um, uh, conveyance there. And so, you know, people are like, well, they can't hold the water. They didn't let it out or they let it out early or this or that and everything else. And I'm like, it's different at Somerville is different at Lake Travis is different at Attics Barker. The gates are closed. Mm-hmm. All the water is impounded and upstream until, will be flooded until they they hit a certain pool level where they think the dam, they could lose the dam. Then they have to release it. They have to make those tough decisions. Right. Which we've only had what happened once here, which was yes. for Harvey, Harvey on Attic Barker. Travis has never had that happen. Travis has never, ever had to um, go into their emergency spillway. Really? No. They, they have flooded homes on the upstream side of Travis, but they have never, because Lake Travis was built as A, a water supply lake, and B, to protect Austin. Mm. And so you don't blow open your floodgates and flood downtown Austin because it defeats the purpose of why the thing was put in to begin with. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, but if you're you look flooding at flooding million dollar homes back here, right? And but they're they not happy. Them, but they like, built in the flood pool. The, they they know the risk. The water. Why don't no, you release no. the water? You're flooding that's, me. That's the thing. They don't know the risk. No. People have. <clears> it's <throat> just like at Attics and Parker. People have built inside these flood pools of these lakes. Yep. And they have no clue that, A, they're in the flood pool or the risk they face. And it's many times it's well above the 100-year floodplain. Really? I, which is the regulatory floodplain. That's not in the disclosures when they're buying the home. Um, if it is, it's deep into but, uh, the, the little writing and people just sign yeah, it. Yeah. I think, well, yeah, and I think people just, their mind, that oh, once every 100 year, once every five, and you know, because that's the yeah. way they view right. a floodplain. 
No, it can happen well, and anytime. That's because that's what, <laughs> but that's the message we say, which was wrong. But we say it's a yeah. one in five hundred year flood. So now we got four hundred ninety nine years before it's going to flood like this right. again. It doesn't work that way. Yeah. Every yeah. year is different. It's a probability yeah. every year. We yeah. saw that with April twenty sixteen, and then with Harvey, and yeah. everyone's mocking these one thousand year floodplains. Well, I mean, it's. It's it's like I mean I, not to mock anything we like run snake eyes twice on the at the craps table. Uh, each yeah. roll is independent. Well, right. and, that, and that's a very good <clears throat> analogy. If you think about roulette or you know rolling dice or whatever, and you if anybody's gambled, you know you've seen it. The chance of you hitting red seven back to back or double zero back to back back to back back to back is very very low. Yeah. But it happens. But it yeah. can happen because every spin is independent. Right. If you stand there long enough, if you live here long enough, it will happen to you. Yeah. It will. Yeah. But the, it's all about communication, though. We we know it as meteorologists because we, we've studied it. But you're, to your average home buyer, they just kind of, oh, well, we just love the house. We don't care. Well, and, and you know, I, I, I'm so, you know, we moved here in 2014. And, you know, I was down, I'm, I'm in Northern Galveston County, the League City area. And so we were looking at homes, friends with League City, uh, uh, you know, down towards Galveston Bay, along Clear Creek. And then we, there were homes we liked, but for me, I wasn't comfortable building or buying a house a quarter mile from Clear Creek. And my realtor's like, well, it's not in the floodplain. I'm like, yeah, but it's just right there. I mean, it's just right down the road. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, and I know what Clear Creek can do. I knew what it did in Claudette and I know what it did in, in Ike. Um, or And so, but my realtor didn't, didn't have a clue. Mm -hmm. uh, that house had four feet of water in it during Harvey. Um, and we liked the house, but I wasn't going to buy it there. But most, someone else did because people don't know the risk. I didn't want to buy uh, too far east of I-45 in League City because if we had a Cat 4 hurricane, other Another uh, 1900 storm, a lot of that's going to flood, yeah. but a lot of people did because it's mm. not in the floodplain and people don't understand that risk. And so, yeah, again, you're rolling the dice every year. Yeah. You're rolling the dice and then and, and you might come up fine every year, uh, but eventually that seven is going to roll on the dice table and yeah. You just have to you have to understand that. So people need to understand the risk and need to be prepared for that. Um, I don't know what else to say on that. I'm surprised that that area you described, Jeff, wasn't in the floodplain. But you got to draw the line somewhere, I guess. And you yeah, know, but it's, it, it's, but if you think about the actual chance of a one percent or hundred year storm surge elevation, which is 18 feet. After after the new the new floodplains have come out post Katrina, our our hundred year storm surge elevation here on the upper coast in Galveston Bay went from about twelve to eighteen feet. Mm. The chance of you actually seeing eighteen feet of water above the ground is very very low. It may not even happen in your lifetime. I mean, no, but it will happen it one might. day. It will happen yeah. one day. That's crazy. But think and, about that. And, think about eighteen feet. How think about how high 18 feet is. It's it's four or five feet over most one story homes. Yeah. Over, over the top of the whole thing. You know, and Jeff and I saw that with Laura. You know, we did the, the survey post Laura. We went over there to, to serve, find, find how deep the surge was. And the interesting thing is that's an area that had recently, relatively recently, 
felt those impacts with Ike, with Rita. So they they knew their risk and they all left, thankfully, because it got, you know, it got up there. It was, what, three feet deep in the second floor of a home. Right. We made it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, but if that happens in Galveston Bay and you get 15 feet into, you know, I, I mean, Seabrook or something, I mean, a lot of these folks, we have not seen that probably since the 1900 storm. Right. We haven't seen it. I mean, Carla and Ike were about the same. Carla might have been a little bit higher here. And, you know, that was about 12, 12, 13 feet. Um, so and I will uh, say Carla made landfall down near Rockport. So <laughs> that was way yeah, down the coast. That, yeah. was, that was a beast of a storm. Yeah, it was. Yes. And we still had that kind of surge in Galveston Bay. But yeah, we haven't. And, you know, the 1900 storm. I mean, I don't know if there's actually any reliable surge data uh, records of how high the water. I mean, there's a lot of, yeah, it got to this high, it got to this high. But any actual hardcore. Plus Galveston was, what, seven or eight feet above sea level at that time? Right. Yeah, the seawall hadn't been built. And none of the, you know, I mean, it was between Galveston Island and, you know, the downtown Houston was nothing, you know. So mm -hmm. all of this stuff that's been built along the bay uh, didn't exist. So there's no, just nothing to mark. It was just all marshy area. They just rolled in and rolled out. No one mm -hmm. ever figured out how much it flooded. But, I mean, we have not seen 18 feet in Harris County. Maybe 1900, maybe. That's 124 years. Yeah. I'm so, fine with not seeing that. You know, I, I mean, but people, I think people like, well, Ike had to be a hundred year storm. No, Ike was really like around a 25 or 50 year yeah. return yeah, interval Ike, event on storm surge. I mean, Ike was technically a low end cat too at landfall, but it was a weakening storm at landfall and uh, it was, had lost a lot of its punch. We haven't seen an, you know, an Ian, uh, a Laura, or Harvey, you know, these storms that are rapidly intensified, Michael, rap rapid intensification right as it made landfall. We haven't seen that here. Yeah. But if Ike would have been, what do you think, 25 miles oh, yeah. west of Whole where it was? Whole different story. Whole different story. Yeah. We would have been close to 20 feet in the bay. Yeah. Because we, we got about, I think we measured 18, 17 or 18 feet over at Hyatt, just east of, uh, just west of High Island. So it would have been close. I, you know, it just all, it, there's a lot of factors that depend on it, but I think we would have been pretty close. It's hypothetical, but there were some like, you know, simulations that you know, would have brought 20 feet in, into the end of the bay. And Alicia, that was a pretty quick moving storm. I think it didn't dump a lot of rain. But, no, but uh, it's still, I think, was it 12 feet? I think the surge or eight no. to 12. Uh, so it had a yeah. decent surge with it, even though it was small, formed right near land and then moved in quickly, but I mean, that was a rapid intense fire. Yeah. Yep. It just shows you how vulnerable the Northwest part of Galveston Bay is a storm surge. Like yeah. it's very similar to the Mississippi Southeast Louisiana coast that, that concave shape, shallow water, lots of bays and rivers and inlets and bayous and the water gets trapped there. And you're going to get even in something like Alicia, which was not a big storm surge storm. You still got 10 to 12 feet at Baytown. Mm -hmm. in the old brownwood subdivision that's gone now um well jeff it just it, shows you was huh? it beta i think beta that we saw actually the our highest surge value was up in the ship channel 
Yeah, it was up at uh uh yeah, we 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 found the highest value in the in the Braze Bayou at uh, the mouth of Braze Bayou right. and then also at the uh, Lynchburg Ferry. Right. Right there where the ship channel and the San Jacinto River come together. Right. Of all the areas is, it could have been, it was right there. Which is yeah. not surprising because if you no. think back to Beta, Beta was a multi uh high tide storm, right? It was a prolonged storm. The tide cycle comes in. That every time that tide cycle comes in, it traps the water further in. Mm. So it traps it in the ship channel. It traps it in Clear Creek. It tra tra traps it in Clear Lake. And here comes the next high tide. Mm -hmm. And it traps another half a foot. And so anytime you get these big, you know, either big hurricanes that push a lot of water ahead of them or these prolonged fetch events where the wind just piles the water for two or three days, um, you're going to get these high tide. You're going to get these really high tide values that you don't really expect from a tropical storm. We, we saw the same thing with Francis back in 98. We had horrible beach erosion on Bolivar. That's where the whole Texas Land Act came in and homes were condemned and, and the sand socks failed and all kinds of stuff came out of Francis back in 98. But, I mean, we had eight, eight, nine feet in the bay from Francis, which was a 65 mile an hour tropical storm. Mm -hmm. But it just sat there and piled the water in for three days. Mm -hmm. mm. Kind of like a nor'easter, I guess. Mm -hmm. But in the south. Um, so we're transitioning. Last year, this time, we were talking about El Nino versus sea surface mm. temperatures. What say you for this year? Transitioning back to La Nina. <laughs> oh, I'm just going to say, grab your ankles. <laughs> You got to grab your ankles for 24's hurricane season. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah. I mean, it's, it, it, it's it looks just, like it's flipping back to, to neutral or perhaps a weak La Nina as we get in the hurricane season. It's these forecasts are going to be insane because the water temperatures are unbelievable. I think we're going to come out the gate with 25. They're going to really well, big numbers. Nice. I think somebody yeah. might come out the gate with 30. What, what do we come out with? The, was it 14 or 15 or some low number that was raised like in the first 30 days or something? Well, we saw that with 2017, mm -hmm. right? I mean, the, the numbers are mm -hmm. kind of mm -hmm. average 2017 by the time we got into early August or late July that it was, and it was accurate, but they ballooned big numbers. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, it looks like the Caribbean looks wet and the, and the Gulf looks wet. And so it, it seems almost like we go back to 2020 where the wave, where the 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 African kind of wave train is is suppressed to the south, um, and and that gives you opportunities in the Caribbean and the Gulf, um, unfortunately, um, you know a lot can change. I you know El Nino is still strong, it's still a strong yeah. El Nino out there, and yeah, yeah, you're gonna dissipate a lot of heat between now and and I don't know, we'll we'll see. I, I if if there's a wild card, it's probably that. Yeah. I don't think the Atlantic sea surface temperatures are going to change much, but the wild card is probably how quickly that El Nino fades. Yeah. It took a while to get going, right? I mean, it was. It November, did. And that's no, not November, uncommon. December. Yeah. It's not uncommon. I mean, and, you know, look at the, uh, you know, the uh, atmospheric river event in California that they just dealt mm -hmm. with and the classic El Nino. I mean, what we dealt with the severe weather and tornadoes on Sunday, uh, you know, classic El Nino type of pattern uh, going mm -hmm. forward, you know, these mild, days and then we get some rainy periods and one cold front and it don't, doesn't last uh you know classic el nino type of pattern that we're in that's the kind of spring we're in it might be a pretty active spring for us severe yeah. weather and flooding wise yeah well it's good we got some rain we needed it. yeah a little more than we needed 
for some areas. Well, isn't it, it, it's always the truth. I mean, you, yeah. you're going to have a place that don't need it. They get more. And, but uh, we're caught up, I think, overall. Yes. I haven't looked yeah. at the drought monitor in a while. But I, I, think I think we I think we pulled light. ourselves out of drought for the first time in a long time. But, you know, what's interesting is this El Nino has not uh, helped areas in central Texas and in West Texas. I mean, Travis no, is still down 40. It's only 41% of its capacity. Yeah. Which is yeah, incredible. I was look, I'm, I'm looking out the hill country still in D2 and D3. Right. Just uh, kind of northwest of San Antonio there. Yeah. Yeah. It's been that way for a while. And what about northern Louisiana? Because that's been pretty bad, too. I think right. Louisiana has had a lot more precipitation. Yeah. They've, yeah, they've yeah, actually but, but, pulled but, out. Okay. They've actually pulled out. Um, yeah, what's know. interesting is, is Toledo Bend is a you know toledo bends a massive uh, uh water supply reservoir on on the sabine river and that thing was down around christmas december it was down six or seven feet which is just you know that doesn't sound like a lot but when you're talking the capacity of that reservoir that's a massive amount of water that's been lost it's a huge and they finally have i think they're they're actually releasing water on toledo bend now so the, all the rains we've had in january have really i mean things can like we know things can flip on a dime down here and it, it's just somewhat amazing. And the Rio Grande Plains in Central Texas, they've just been missed. Mm. Everything has been East Texas, East of I-35, nothing West of I-35 that's helped replenish any of those lakes out there. Same thing down in Corpus Christi. And if we do not deal, if we do not get water in those lakes between now and May, uh, we're going to be in a world of hurt this summer. Yeah. Because and- they, there's just no way that we can keep up with the water demand. And that being said, in this kind of pattern, you know, we could easily get a, a an April system that dumps twelve inches of rain in Central Texas. So I mean, it's don't yeah. Know. Oh, yeah. Or with an active active tropical season, you know, that might give us a, some help too. I mean, Travis so can there. come up forty feet in a night. So yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, you just you you can it all runs off out there. So if you just get the rain in the right spot, but yeah, it's amazing. Being... Go ahead. I say, God forbid, we get another Memorial Night. You know, the Wimberley oh, and then a Memorial Night. I mean, that. Right. You know, you know how 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 fast that can happen. So. Yeah. Yeah. Twenty fifteen. Yep, that was a lot of rain. So, um, we've got uh, the the change of El Nino switching over. What other? Whether they're climate. Oh, I want to go back and ask you, uh, you guys, when we were talking about winter, you guys ever use Buff Kit? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've Do, used it. Yeah. Is, is it still mostly like a weather type? I, I actually, I got back into it when we had the uh, icy condition and I was just like, I messed around with it for about 20 minutes and I hadn't used it since. since. It's, a, it's a sounding. It's tool, a sounding right? analysis yeah. software program. Yeah. yeah. But it's, it's kind of, more geared more t- toward uh, winter precipitation is it not it it can be uh but it can also be used for severe mm-hmm. um, oh yeah yeah, yeah. It, i mean it's it, yeah it's skew tea it's uh, it's just sounding analysis so for winter you can look at um either forecast soundings you observe soundings and find out what your vertical profile is and whether that's be freezing rain sleet rain um and you know you can look at different severe weather parameters yeah Still a it's just a PC-based sounding analysis. We have uh, some stuff on our. We have in our own internal sounding analysis that we use for upper air soundings. But it's a yeah. useful. It's still a useful program. 
is it okay that was kind of my question is it still it's still know, viable kind of available yeah so oh, i got a question evans we haven't talked about this so what is if and if you can answer uh how are you liking this new nhc cone mm. I, I think <laughs> so inland uh, more yeah. inland info. but but i think that i hidden I think that their hand was forced on this a little bit because of um, too many people were still perceiving the cone as impacts or no impacts. So they kind of, you know, we have a lot of, I mean, our tropical program as a national weather service is immense. We have a lot of products that go out ahead of a tropical cyclone as it makes landfall. So they're trying to to be able to show all of that. Um, I will say they're testing it. And, you know, an experimental phase, we'll see what the feedback is. Um, but they're trying to get people to de-emphasize the cone of where the center is going to make landfall and focus more on where all the watches and warnings are, where the, where the expected impacts could be. So it's a noble effort. <laughs> um, we'll see how well it's received. The, weather, the Hurricane Center has been trying to get rid of the cone for a long time. Um, but they can't, you know, it's like SPC uh, still trying to still locked into slight, moderate and high. You know, they, they just these are terms that have been around for so long. They're having a hard time getting rid of. And in and NHC with the cone, it's the same thing. Um, scientifically, we could do more. Probabilistically, we can do more. But the public's used to it. The media likes it. The media's used to it. And so they're, they know they're kind of stuck with it. Yeah. Like pops, percentage of rain chance. Yeah, pops, another around. one, you know. Yeah, it's going to be around for a while because people are used to it. They, they, they take that information and they interpret what it means to them. And it works. We do the same thing with, uh, with max and min temperatures. You know, y'all <laughs> on TV give a deterministic number. Right. Um, it used to be when I was growing up, they gave a range highs in the mid seventies today, lows in the mid thirties, to be honest, that was a more honest and accurate forecast. But for some reason, somebody started a single number and it gave a perception of accuracy and they would advertise well, channel, blah, blah, blah. We give the single number. So turn to us. We're, we're better. So everyone started doing it. Uh, yeah. But a day seven deterministic number of, 31 for a low is not a good way of messaging that mm. it's just not and that's uh, what i look at the, most, uh, right? the freeze line i look at the mbm so it's a, it's a blend of models i look at the box and whiskers every day that's what i look at every morning i like to see the spread of the models mm -hmm. and and if it's oh, a big yeah. box i know there's a lot of uncertainty if it's a tight box i know there's not much and i know mm. that temperature is most likely going to be within a few degrees of this number when is the weather service going to start issuing weather alert days? Did you like us too, Jeff? Why that? Why not laugh? This is a serious question right now. <laughs> okay. Everybody, every TV. You station really want now. me to explain why I'm laughing? This is a serious question, guys. Oh, right. Let's let's be serious then, <laughs> Mr. Evans. Our alert alert days on the horizon for the National Weather Service. <laughs> but that was funny. <laughs> that was funny no no uh, we, uh, we probably will not do alert days yeah so a bad weather day is just a thursday <laughs> it's just a thursday according to the federal government it's just a yeah. thursday or a blunt forecast <laughs> yeah. 
We'll do like a, a Homeland Security and just have yellow, green, red days or whatever. Just put it out to red day. See, that was my we'll idea. See, That's every... what I pitched. I pitched colors. I like colors. <laughs> Don't get me started on colors right now. Yeah. Okay. Because everybody got a different co color for everything. Right. Even the weather service got different colors between SPC and the local FOs on the tornado watch. It's red from SPC and some offices is yellow. Yeah, when it, should the, stay, it should be red. Actually, as a matter of fact, this this weekend when the tornado watch was issued Sunday, it come out yellow for the county map. Not not well for the TV stations. No, on the on the Twitter on on. Uh, oh, I have to go back and look. Oh, absolutely, go look. Yeah, it came no, out. No, I mean it's yellow. So so the other issue is, um, what impacts Scott on a given day is not what impacts me. And, and so if we get three inches of snow on a Sunday morning uh, and everyone's all happy, it's beautiful, and they can sit in and have coffee and have the fireplace going, it's totally different than it happens on a Tuesday morning and everyone's right when they're trying to get to work and they're trying to get the kids to school. So, or, or worse yet, it comes at 3.30 in the afternoon when everyone's already been there all day long and now everyone has to get home. Um, that's what they dealt with in Atlanta and what was that, 20. 12 ish, you know, um, that, so there's a difference we know as an agency on when it happens. Uh, we talked about this last Arctic outbreak happening on a, on a holiday that made it easier to mitigate impacts. Uh, so how do you work that into your uh, weather alert day scales, uh, on, on things? It's, it's just going to be different if you have to get out in it or you can sit home and, Look at the pretty snow. Um, it's well, the the way uh, Alert Day was described to me, uh, the the definition is, is if the weather is going to disrupt your day. Well, you know, on a windy day, it could blow my hat off. That's disruptive. <laughs> so, <laughs> I uh, I struggle with it, but you know, I for my job, I gotta I gotta play the game and you know have something but yeah we've talked about this on the show a few times weather alert days well they ain't going away um no but so I, so, I, so what do you do with it so let's say it's it's uh it's april or early may and you mm -hmm. have a thunderstorm which mm -hmm. we typically get it's just going to be mm -hmm. a, a a 45 minute impact for the metropolitan area thunderstorm big difference at noon than between 4.15 and 5, or between 5.30 and 6.15. Huge difference. Um, if anyone's ever been in traffic with a thunderstorm and, and moderate to heavy rain, and everybody's going 10 miles an hour without accidents, uh, versus, again, it happening at lunchtime. So, so how do you weather alert that? You put it up there, because it could be disruptive to... But what if they, what if you're but again you go back to that cry wolf syndrome where everyone's like oh yeah they, we oh, get weather alert days all the time that that was just, one of my I just no that them. that was one of my points I, I use the analogy is like every time you turn on the news station you see breaking news well you only used to see that you know well that was 20, a big 30 deal years when I was ago growing up yeah when, when, when you saw breaking news you stopped and went what well, well, what's going on but now you see it all the time when it was my abc was, news and they would break into programming with a breaking oh, yeah, news story true. i mean we're like oh my god the president got shot or something this yeah. is a big deal 
Right. So my question was, are we going there with alert days? Yes. Are we just yeah. we are. putting them up there and people are going to be numb to it? And uh, you know, Now you'll have yeah. a, 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 a just a news station on. It'll be breaking news because there's a car chase. Right. You're going to 24-hour local news. Yeah. Because you're already on like seven hours a day. And you're going to weather alert days every day. By the definition I, be, I was given, uh, yeah. It's, I mean, uh, this this was a legit question I got asked Sunday morning. I went and had breakfast with some folks Sunday morning, and one of the people go, well, y'all have scared us all weekend. When is it going to rain? <laughs> and I go, I said, well, what do you mean? He goes, well, it's, you know, there's been all these colors on the TV and, and flashing stuff. And well, don't blame me. Well, but see, that's <laughs> but 95% of people get their weather from either an app or the TV. Or the app, yeah. Which comes with lightning bolts and flying cows, and I don't know, I don't know what's all on the on all this anymore. But it's it's a production now, right? It's a production. Like you turn on the TV, it's red. There's red colors. There's big words. <laughs> there's lightning bolts. I mean, it's it's just not a it's just not a a, a white and and blue it's, screen it's, with numbers. It's two conflicting entities. You have a profit center. Because that's what television stations are. They're a business. Right. And then you have science going, no, 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 no. Yeah. That's not really what's going on. Here's what's really going on. Well, so I, it goes back you have to, to our find point, the balance. goes back to our point about a half hour ago about really people don't want to know what we're, we need to speak in uncertainty and right. likelihood and possibilities and um, no absolutes. No, absolutely. You can't deal with absolutes. That's like watching the World Series and go, is Altuve going to hit this or not on every pitch? Yeah. Um, you know, the probability is he's probably not because that's how baseball works. But you've watched enough and he's a good hitter. He's, maybe he will this pitch. And so you sit on every pitch and it's in, you know, edge of your seat. You know, if you had to analyze every single time that ball left the pitcher's hand, You'd have to have an assortment of possibilities. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not a whole lot different than what you, the three of us have to try to get up and message to people. Yeah. And plus we got a, a huge countywide area. So as you know, different things happen in different areas oh, yeah. and you got to deal with that too. So yeah, we uh, deal with that too. We'll, we'll put out, you know, a uh, briefing for the, you know, Brian called station area and everybody gets it. And then everyone starts thinking we're going to get, Free a hard freeze. Like, no, this is only for the Brazos Valley. Yeah. That's why it says Brazos Valley. You know, everyone yeah. else can relax. Well, um, nobody knows where the Brazos Valley is. I know. Nobody I no, know. A lot of people Aggies don't do. even know what county they live in. Yeah. They don't even know where they're at on a map. Well, I-10 seems to be a pretty popular dividing line for, for weather events. No, it's, just, it's just it's just easy it's for just it. easy it to is. message <laughs> right? easy. and 45 yeah no it's, it's like it makes a nice little x right in the mid middle of the city so yeah it's yeah, it's, it's easy to message east of 45 and the south of i-10 yeah uh, people get that if you're in baytown you understand that but then i have friends that live in spring valley like a quarter mile from i-10 going does that well, mean I'm north me? of i-10 does that mean yeah. me if you're in oh, Katy, man. what does that mean? I'm near I-10. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Am I north or south? I don't know. What does it mean in Sugarland? I don't know. I'm like, you don't know where you live, do you? You have no clue that Sugarland's Are you in a floodplain? Yeah. I mean, I mean no. Yeah. I get these questions all the time. Well, what about Britain? So, Scott, are y'all are y'all doing weather alerts now, too? Weather alert days? Of course. We're doing... <laughs> 
We're doing possible alert days. Oh, uh, <laughs> those are great. Light, light, light alert. Alerts days? are red. Possible alert days are gray. Man. Yeah. Okay. It's, 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 it's moving toward red, Jeff. Possible. That's like a watch. <laughs> That's what we would call a watch. It's an alert day watch. But that's the thing. It's not. We just see why do we need alert days when we have a watch and warning system already? I told you why. Go ahead. I told Tell me you again. Why. Because just, they I... want to go before the weather service. Yeah. They want to say certain people, certain. Or other TV stations. stations, whatever they want to, and exactly, they want to be first. They want to. They want to. I'm putting something e official, sort of out. Yeah. So I'm because if you listen, I'm declaring. We're declaring. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. That like they have the power here to at declare. Channel X. We have declared Tuesday an alert day right. for the following reasons, and on Thursday before. There's all also, you know, a flood thing going sometimes what's a flood thing what's the flood thing yeah it's a stage one alert or something like oh, that. oh that's that's not yeah that's yeah <laughs> <I've>... <laughs> but that but that's that's not a government uh no entity no no yeah no we don't do stage alerts on floods yeah i i like i personally like the the government uh package i mean it's been around for a long time i think it works pretty well uh and i think that's you can go back to the cone. That's why some of this stuff doesn't go away because people have a comfort level understanding what a tornado watch kind of means. They've seen them, especially if you've been in the weather world for a while, you kind of get what a tornado watch means. Uh, you kind of get what a, you know, what the cone means. You understand it. You comprehend it. Um, we get into Let new me. stuff, then people, I mean, SPC, they expanded from like three to five, you know, and then people get all up in arms about, the wording of marginal or enhanced and you know what what do these terms mean it's like well they 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 researched all this stuff but they couldn't get rid of the labels they couldn't go to a one to five scale everybody wanted to keep the labels so they had to call it something um and so if we start changing stuff it freaks everyone out hypothetical yeah. question if you interviewed 10 people and said what's the difference between a tornado watch and a tornado warning how many would get it right Four, three or four? Yeah, probably. I was thinking more like two or three. <laughs> and they've been around forever, right? I'm optimistic. Oh, yeah. For what's... <laughs> I mean, basically since like the 50s. Yeah. And, you know, and we're still not there. Now, I mean, now some of that's where you live. Now, if you ask somebody in, in Oklahoma, they're going to understand that better than somebody that's, say, in you know, Michigan. Good point. Yeah, good point. Um, well, you can you can apply any watcher warning metric to their their like flood watch, flood warning here, right. hurricane watch, hurricane warnings, uh, winter storm watch, winter storm warning to their their local area, and yeah. and see what and see what they come up with. I mean, some I don't know people might get it more than you think. I don't know. Um, well, the hurricane the, the hurricane watch and warning is. I mean, you can tie that to an action, especially if you live along the coast. If it's a hurricane right. watch, what should I be doing? If it's a hurricane warning, what should I be doing? There's definitely a criteria of action items tied to those particular watches and warnings. Tornado warning, I, you know, tornado warning in effect for Harris County. Well, Harris County is what, 60 miles from corner to corner? Yeah. Well, we but, got away with, we did away with yeah, the county-based county warnings in the early 2000s. It's, poly, to go it's to polygons. polygon based. 
uh, to try to try to mitigate that at very point. I actually, but, but but when when you're hearing it, say you're in the kitchen, you hear it on the TV, or you hear it on your weather radio, or something like that, you're not actually well. I yeah, yeah. I guess people are looking at their phones; they can see the polygons and see the lines and the time of each town it's going to get and all that, the timeline and all that. But if you don't have that, you're okay. What do I do? I think a better question is if you ask somebody the difference between an advisory and a warning, an advisory or a watch. And, a, and a, I, I almost guarantee you more people sometimes think an advisory is worse than a warning. Really? Yeah. The advisory thing is more confusing to people than the watch warning. Yeah, and we're doing away with advisories just, what? just to some degree. Yeah, a lot of our I stuff. Need, are... I need my advisories, Evans. Why yeah. is that? <laughs> Why are you doing away with advisories? Just for the, the, the confusion. I mean, it was a big deal in the uh, the post Atlanta. I talked about that Atlanta snowstorm. I don't know, it was a 2012 that flash snow apocalypse, where they had a winter storm watch out, and then they went to a uh, heavy or winter storm advisory, and people thought that was a downgrade. Well, um, I would agree with that too. Yeah, but that's the perception. But from the the actual forecast amounts and everything, it was actually a higher confidence type of thing. Um, yeah, it's, 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 there, it messaging is a whole different story. It's so difficult, um, with the messaging side and, you know, trying to find a label, uh, to drive acts and a label to identify things it, again, between the three of us, a different, uh, we'll hear a term and think something different. Uh, yeah. we may have different risk assessment. Uh, there's a lot of, you know, a lot of states now are making decisions off of the day two SPC outlooks and not even waiting on the watches. They're canceling mm -hmm. on, you know, a, a SIG tour on a day two uh, and not even waiting for the day ones into the watches. Um, you know, there used to be situations where a watch with tornado watch would go out and hospitals would move patients um, and things. So, you know, so there's different, there are things that happen because uh, people have built plans. You know, Jeff deals with that too. A lot of these emergency managers, they have to have plans. So they want to have triggers for their plans. And so we come up with, the, they build these triggers off of our weather service products. Well, if we start changing it all, it screws up all these triggers. Yeah. And we hear about it. Um, yeah. And so it, it's that's why it's difficult for the government to, to do a lot of changes because a lot of stuff's already been written in. This is what we do if we get a, you know, whatever watch, this is the plan. We This is the next steps that we take. Yep. It's an evolving thing. Yep. It'll keep it, it'll keep evolving. And then we come up with new terms and then it takes years to catch on. Exactly. Well, after the January, uh, like alert days, they're going to be very popular 30 years from now, Jeff. No, <laughs> after the January, 2023 tornado. Now, suddenly there's been talk about, we need to have different tornado action plans based off of this SPC outlook or this from the weather service. And you know, we've been working with some counties and some other community decision makers and helping coming up with a tornado decision plan. That's accurate. That's not overdoing it. Um, that's interesting. Uh, I mean, we, yeah, we worked on one for Harris County after that, and I mean, we have a we have an activation based on SPC outlook and the probability of certain um, 
I think like it's an enhanced 10%. risk and a sick Well, I think floor. it has to be an enhanced enhanced risk, day one enhanced risk, and a 10%. I think it's a 10% tornado. Right. Or maybe it's five. I don't remember. But the there, chances... But there's some thresholds that are in the plan. Right. And we actually met it uh, this year, I think, one time. And we, we didn't activate because it was such a... It was the time we had absolutely nothing happen. And, oh, yeah, the weather alert day. I'm pretty sure we talked about it. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we talked about it. Why are you pointing your thumb at me? And and I remember Evans and I talking because you and I were texting with Tim Heller. We were texting back and forth. This is so overblown. I said nothing's gonna happen. Well, we got you know. And I'm like, and Evans and I are like, it's 58 degree dew point outside. Yeah, it was not. It's it's. It was a little overdone on the forecast. But that was. But that was that the the time there was no cape or something. Yeah, but SPC still had an enhanced enhanced out. Uh, which then oh. they dropped to slight. Yep. And but, then we got some showers. And we were yeah. barely in enhanced, but I, but they actually dropped the enhanced box down a little bit, I think, a few hours well, prior we, to. Was we we talked, we as an office had spoke with SPC and everything and we gave our assessment. We we talked back and forth and the, the mutual assessment was, let's just, let's drop this. <laughs> let's get down to a basic slight uh, and... It's going to be east, and it was. And Louisiana got lit up that night. Uh, oh, I remember but, it was the uh, championship day. It was the day of the uh, yes of the uh, game of the Washington the, and uh, um, the at NRG the the championship, the football championship, College Michigan oh, and Washington. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, and yeah. and there was actually some talk from SPC about well, it's a high profile thing going on in Houston, so we want to make sure we have that covered. Scare them. Let's scare them. <laughs> let's go um, enhance. Hell, hell, let's go moderate. Just, so, just for Harris County. Don't let them go to the game. Do not let them go to the game. But it's, you know, it's, you know in, in fairness, it's hard to separate some things out. I mean, um, I, I remember working an SPC case on the 4th of July and debating a severe thunderstorm watch up for um, Chicago. And I know on 4th of July, everybody's at the freaking lakeshore. Everybody's outside. So my thresholds for a risk for a severe thunderstorm watch were a little bit lower. So I went ahead and issued that uh, severe thunderstorm watch. And there were some strong thunderstorms. I don't think we got a lot of severe. Uh, But that stuff, it does play into your mind. Like, you know, the people are more at risk. They're all outside. It's freaking 4th of July. Well, it's, it's the other thought is if I don't do it and something happens. You know, well, yeah. I mean, that's just part of our business, though, right? Yeah, yeah. But I, I would err probably on the side of uh, issuing, especially with all those people else. I mean, just anything, just to bring up the awareness for lightning. You know. Well, that's how that's how we looked at it. But by definition, yeah. do you yeah, expect yeah. one inch hail and fifty eight mile an hour winds yeah. or not? Yeah. And we're those parameters are fairly low, but. Half inch hail, a lot of lightning, heavy rain. We're pretty certain, so we put the box out. Um, would that would that have been a uh, also a possibility for a special weather statement type situation? Those are yes, uh, but they don't have the same reach. Mm-hmm. So if we put a special weather statement out, it doesn't go on people's phones. It doesn't turn. Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Colors on TVs and nobody uh, reads the special weather statement. No, it's you know that special. It's just it's a it's a product. Is Apparently, it a CY, CYA statement? Sometimes we joke like about like an alert day. We're getting rid of advisories, but we're keeping the special <laughs> weather statement. 
<laughs> He's still upset about the advisory. <laughs> Would Chicago been an advisory type situation? Well, advisory. It, well, let's move, let's move on. No, no. Go let's ahead. talk about cookoff. Let's talk about rodeo cookoff oh because it gosh. looks miserably hot. I want your take on it. And humid. And we're going up on an hour, by the way. And it's disgusting oh. out there when it's hot and humid. I just don't understand why it has to be hot and humid you, at cookoff. I think because those tents. Uh, yeah. Yeah, he's ready to go. Yeah. So if you um. If if you're listening and you have extra tickets to your tents for uh, barbecue week, you know we will be out there. Think about you think to... about your local meteorologist. Look, you yeah. have to cook off as a mental smartest thing said on this and podcast. physical preparation of the body. Okay. <laughs> yes, it's it's three nights of. It's always cold at a cook off. Well, it's not going to be cold this year. It's going to be like a dew point of sixty five and eighty. Yeah, wow, it's going to be absolutely horrible. It, it's wow. going to sweat. You're going to sweat a little bit. Yeah, because yeah, the tents are like ovens. Jeans and boots and a t-shirt and uh, bring a little sweat rag with you. I might have. Yeah. I might have to go with shorts and flip flops this year. Wow. You know, I don't care. Yeah. Well, that's that's unusual for uh, barbecue weather. I think two years ago we had that. I think it was pretty. It humid. was cold. It was cold a couple years when uh, two a couple years ago we went Evans and it was cold. We were walking around cold. Yeah. We couldn't feel our fingers. Oh yeah, yeah. plenty of those. Plenty of those. Yeah. Well, I'd rather have it that. So way. this is a warm one. When does it start? I don't even know. Next Thursday, the twenty second. That's coming up. So we will be out there. By all means, stop us. Invite us in. We love barbecue. Love to come into your tent and cocktails. <laughs> well, now, now, now I've got pressure to get this podcast out in time. <laughs> Can somebody listen to it between now and then? Sorry, shut. Up. Yeah. So yeah, the uh, so I'm looking at the uh, little the little Indian box and whiskers for Thursday the 22nd. It's a uh, high temperature of 77. Yeah, it's a little it's a little sticky. Wow. So yeah, that's springtime. Springtime, high dew points, high temperatures. Uh, nothing, nothing, uh, no rain or anything like that. Sure, it's, uh, it's a little too out there, but no, that it's not a, a not going to be a washout by any means. Doesn't look like okay, that. but there could be we some got, nice we showers. Got rain, rain Friday, right? We sea fog, <laughs> yeah, with those kind of dew points, we might this time of year, yeah, yeah, it's gonna be sea fog. So, this is not this Thursday, I'm talking about a week from Thursday, right? The 22nd, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's a big deal. Then rodeo. Yeah, yep. A lot Hard of people to outside, out of rodeo. A lot of people. Hard to believe. Yeah. All right. And Valentine's tomorrow. That was exciting. All right, guys. Any last uh, thoughts? No. Just um, remember your local meteorologist when you want to be generous. Jesus. Jeff Evans, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Thanks for joining us. I'm sorry we put you through. 70% of it anyway. No, it's all good. <laughs> Never coming back. Yeah, please come back. You're you're our first returning guest, I believe. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. First no, no one else agreed. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what this exactly. says about me. <laughs> I can't believe we, we didn't even start, start this podcast off with sports. And we, did anybody watch any football this weekend? All I of did. it. I, I, all I, of I, it. Pretty good, huh? Also, I mean, watch basketball slow at first. and golf because that's oh, the only thing on now. So, did y'all give an and, assessment uh, of the uh, the Usher halftime show? We should have gotten into that. Um, it was a little low, a little too low energy for me. I thought expect a little more. You thought you needed more. You needed more flashing lights, huh? Yeah, I need some more energy. <laughs> no, I uh, I don't know what I was doing during the Usher concert, but you were I'm sure you were good. there. Yeah, I know. He went to the Super Bowl. He had puppy no, ball on. No, he was I in his wasn't. room. 
He was no, in the hotel yeah. room watching a puppy. Whatever. Bowl. You go. I you, was not at the Super Bowl. You go to Vegas on Super Bowl weekend in the Super yes. Bowl. You went to the Super Bowl. No, I, I wasn't at the Super Bowl. You watched the Nickelodeon I, I, broadcast. Yeah. The SpongeBob broadcast the Super Bowl. Yeah. Just sitting in the room watching the Super Bowl. No, we were in the casino, but no, I wasn't at the game. But uh, I'm sure it was a fine show that Usher put on. You didn't see it? No. Oh. I thought the game was great. The second half was great. The first half this, was boring. The first half was boring. Second half was good. Overtime was, was good. good. Yeah, I thought it was good. And I'm not surprised at the outcome. No. Although San Francisco, had they known the overtime rules, might have made some different decisions. That's kind of on them. Did they not know the rules? No. I mean, how do you not know the rules? They didn't. Well, the coaches, I think, knew the rules. The players, because normal overtime, if you score the touchdown in overtime, you win the game. Right, yeah. In the playoffs, both doesn't matter. Both teams get a possession. Right, both teams, yeah. So they should have not taken the ball first. Uh, mm, well, you should kick that off that. because then you go for it on fourth down. So instead of kicking that field goal, they might have gone for it because they had they would have had to have. Well, I thought I had a nice payout because I I got um, bought tickets for a tie at the end of each quarter. And I'm thinking, oh wow! Wow, fourth quarter, nineteen nineteen. That was like the, the highest odds. Man, they paid your paid your trip, huh? Yeah, I'm like thinking this is great. Well, no. Oh. It wasn't it wasn't the tie of the total score. It was the tie of that specific quarter, which the Chiefs won nine to six. Oh. Uh, I should have read the fine print. Oh. Uh, it wasn't the overall scores, how the how the scoring went in each quarter. No, but it should have been the overall score because I think that's uh, in 58 Super Bowls, they've had overtime two or three twice. times? Yeah, twice. twice. Yeah, yeah. Second time. Yeah. The first time was yeah. here. Should have been a huge pay. Oh, really? I think it was the, the game with the Falcons and the uh, Patriots here in Houston. Oh, Remember yeah. The, when the fire, they were down 23. They, yeah. 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 Interesting. Okay, so it's happened recently then. Yeah, that's it. Kind of like kind of like floodplains. It doesn't – it's not every – They're all new. They're all recent. <laughs> Never had them before until just now. All right, guys. All right. Now that I tied it back to weather, I think we can go down. Jeff Evans, thanks a bunch. Thanks, See guys. you next time. All right. See thanks, you. bud. All right. Bye.